Welcome to Stream Detroit, episode something of Big Digital Thinkers. I'm Mike McClintock with uh, the co-host here, Brad Fox. Today we've got Jared Skolnick of Triple Lift. How you doing? Doing well. Good. Thanks, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. So Triple Lift, programmatic and native <laughs> platform. What the, explain that to me like I'm a grandma. Yeah, let's, let's, let's break that I'm down. This close to being that. Let's break that down. So. Programmatic native. It's jargon, jargon. So, right. So yeah. we've we got a lot of jargon soup going yeah. on. So, so, so let's start with, with, with native, which is a big buzzword these days. Um, you know, advertisers have been trying to get consumers' attention more and more online, and consumers are ignoring banners. They don't, right. they don't see them anymore. Banner blindness is a term we hear I'm a lot. Very blind, yes. Yeah, and, and, and eye tracking studies show that nobody sees the banners anymore. And there's ad um, blocking too, which is only is exacturating the problem. I'm exactly. Sure, right? So yeah, and they're forcing, yeah, exactly, forcing the issue to not be seen. Um, so uh, advertisers have gotten more intrusive with things that pop up in front of you and scream mm -hmm. at you and get right. in the way and, and the brand gets noticed, but the truth is the brand loses value often in some of the studies because the consumers find this intrusive and they find it uh, in insulting and it's just getting in their way. Yep. The concept of native is to put advertising more in stream with content yep. so that it looks, feels, plays like the content. Uh, brand gets recognized, consumer is, is, is not insulted. Um, and we, we refer to it as, re as a respectful way to deliver the ads. Mm -hmm. um, so it, and, it, and it also helps bring creative back to the forefront, which is something that's been, been lost for quite a while. So that's the idea of native. And you know, it doesn't have a, sp a single definition. And it's yeah. used differently across the way. Well, maybe that's why everybody says it's something different. Yeah, exactly, because it really is. Mm -hmm. yeah. so it, but it's video, but it's, it's also static, static ads. It's, but video is a big, big component of that. Right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. The, the, the idea that you can, you can use sight, sound, and motion within the context of exactly how the, how the publisher is using sight, sound, and motion means the advertisement is, is, is received more readily. It's the idea, it's the idea of product placement in, uh, in television and things like that. It's, it's kind of going back to where sponsorships were in the 60s on television. Soap operas. Yeah. It's all soap operas for the web. Yeah, it's, so it's, really, that's a, it's actually it all wrestling. It's all wrestling. It's all wrestling. It's all, all WWE. Right. It's all right. scripted. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> so when we say programmatic, yep. and we hear it, People talk about publishers versus advertisers. What's a publisher? Yeah, so a publisher would be like New York Times or anybody that's serving content on the web is okay. a publisher. Um, and an so advertiser. a soap opera, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you've got advertiser, like let's say Nike is an advertiser. Right. So they're the soap. Yep, and there's, a bunch of, and there's a bunch of intermediaries in there. And the idea of programmatic is to make it easier for Nike to be on New York Times yep. when it's most appropriate for Nike. Right. Uh, and frankly, most appropriate for New York Times by what, what programmatic does is it takes all the data that we have, and believe me, the industry has all sorts of data. Yep. Um, thankfully, most of it's anonymized in a way that we don't know it's Mike or Brad. Yep. We just know it's some guy that's here in Detroit who might have a particular demographic and things like that. Um, but then using that data, New York Times can say to hundreds of buyers at one time, um, who, who wants to spend on this, on this individual? Mm -hmm. as opposed to who's buying a thousand ads that are going to go to whoever I serve them to. Um, so the idea is you go, to the, you go to the New York Times while the page is loading, yep. the ad slot is saying, hey, here's the information I have on this user. Mm -hmm. Buyers are bidding. It's an auction. It's NASDAQ. Yep. So it's a real-time real bidding auction that's happening while you're loading the page. Exactly. So. And by the time the page... This is all happening within... 100 milliseconds. 100 milliseconds. Yep, and hundreds of buyers. I was going to say 112 milliseconds, but clearly, <laughs> but, but that's it's about more, the same it's a more accurate. Yeah. So it's happening in 112 milliseconds, and 
and, and the idea being that, that all this data is processed, the person mm -hmm. can pay the highest for that ad gets the spot. Mm -hmm. Publisher gets more money so that way. So you got way. Nike, Adidas, and uh, Reebok. Exactly. And it's got all sorts of great rules. So like New York Times could say, hey, we have Visa is sponsoring the entire sports section this month. So if MasterCard bids, just block that them. Can get blocked. Mm -hmm. We just can't even serve them. And then it moves right. on to, let's say, Nike mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's this idea of using all that data to, to serve the most appropriate ad, which frankly, like, as much as user, the consumer doesn't want to be tracked and doesn't want to be followed, right. uh, if you get an appropriate ad and it's, and it's, and it's respectful, yeah. um, Relevant, it just right? makes a lot more sense. Exactly, yeah. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's more well-received. You're going to respond more positively to the brand and the publisher, so it's kind of that win, win across the board. So sum it back up, Triple yeah. Lift in that ecosystem of programmatic and native content within uh, publishers and advertisers, what's Triple Lift do? So Triple Lift is a programmatic exchange mm -hmm. for native advertising um, and, and only native advertising. Like, mm -hmm. That's the whole point is... So you get our, better creative. Yeah, our, 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 our mantra is respectful ads. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that we want to put creative at the forefront. We want brands to be... We want to talk to those creative agencies once again and get them excited about digital ads where these days they're just not. They're like, I don't want to make another banner. So how's that work? I mean, when you, when you say respectful ads and, and talk to the creative agencies about it, what, what's, what's, what's new and different with that? What so are you that, trying to get them to do? So that's where, that's where the, the, the programmatic native join, joining together can be so valuable. Mm -hmm. So what, what Triple Lift brings to the table is some technology that's able to take four pieces of creative, four elements of a creative, okay. and manipulate them across all the different publishers without losing what the creative agency was after. So the, okay. creative, so the brand is able to provide logo, copy, uh, image, and call to action. Okay. I'm sorry, and, and, and uh, landing page. And with those four things, it'll be presented on each page completely differently. Okay. But it's done in a way that makes sure the creative is still at the front, and we have something called computer vision, which scans the image and knows where to crop, what, what elements are important, okay. and which are less important. So if, if a particular layout has to be more vertical or more horizontal, you're not losing, you're not cutting off somebody's head that was in the image mm -hmm. in order to make it fit there. Because yeah, nobody likes to have heads cut off. No. No. I mean, that's like just... That's not cool. Not at no. all. It's not cool. No, it's, so I would imagine from a creative agency standpoint, it's a huge time saver, right? Because you have this versioning issue, which you've potentially solved for, right? Because right. You know, if you're a traditional ad banner campaign, um, you have kind of the big three ad units, right? You have the, the ad, the long and skinny one at the top, you have the skyscraper on the side, and then you have the square box, right? Generally speaking, those exactly. are three big ad sizes. But even within that context, you could have all these different version issues. Um, but if you can solve for that, where it's like, okay, what background to serve to what person, um, you're solving for a lot of those challenges. And, and by the way, the kind of the dirty secret of banner ads is the creative department's don't care for it because frankly, it probably is not going to win any awards, right? Creative exactly agencies, right. creative folks, and I'm not picking on creative folks, the Good. way they have historically won awards is through the 30-second spot. And mm -hmm. you know, frankly, that how consumers are taking in content in general and how they how they choose to, and they, there's a lot more choice, which is which is a good thing, right? Back in the old TV days, it was like you just sit there in front of the Oh, here comes a 30-second spot, and you're basically you're going to watch this. Mm -hmm. But now there's more choice. A consumer can choose what to what to consume or not to consume. Um, but the creative folks um, don't win awards generally, or doesn't fill their portfolio or their giant pizza bag of awards um, with banners. And so mm -hmm. this is a potential 
more it would be much more interesting, I would think, to to, to creative agencies. Yep. Um, so are there new kinds of uh, of you know styles of ad? Oh yeah. Of, yeah. You know what's what's new? What's coming? I mean, obviously we got the, we can go all the way to this end on the thirty second Super Bowl ad. What's the other one? So for example, like um, you, you mentioned, video can be included and things like that. There's something called a cinemagraph, and that's, that that in and of itself isn't new. And what it is is you have an image, and let's say there's like. It, let's say it's an image for clothing, for, for female clothing, and there's a woman in, in, a, in a flowing dress in a field, and she's leaning against a tree, and she's blowing on a dandelion. And what a cinemagraph is, is all of that is a still image, but the dandelion, you're seeing the, the, yep. the, 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 the pollen or whatever that is floating away, and it just keeps repeating that. So it gives you this one little thing to draw you in, and it's very, very tasteful, mm -hmm. but it's not, um, it's not a full-on video. It's still just an image. It's basically a GIF. Mm -hmm. um, but this is, this is a type of ad that's been used before, but it's being now put into the, the context of the content itself, uh, which, is, which is making it so, um, so readily uh, obser observable. And again, to the creative teams being able to like, do something fun with that, mm -hmm. this is somewhere where creative teams are like, wow, di something in digital that isn't video, but I could win an award for. That's, that's interesting. So you've got to go to the creatives and say, okay, so here's all the different contexts of what you know, your ad could be served on, and you've got to make it fit. So you're so, not on uh, you know, a sports story with a completely non-sports-oriented type of an ad, you know, floor cleaner or something. Right, and that, and that's, that goes back to the data, which, mm -hmm. is, which is a part of Beyond Native. That's, mm -hmm. that's a part of uh, the entire ecosystem today and how that data gets used. Programmatic makes it usable on an impression level. So each individual ad mm -hmm. is tailored to an individual user. Now, look, there's all sorts of things that could go wrong in that process, including aggressive buyers and sellers who are looking for ways to, to, to boost their revenue. That may mean you're still not getting the best ad. Mm -hmm. But the goal is getting closer and closer to that nirvana of you're not even going to really notice it's an ad because it's a message you welcome seeing. Mm -hmm. whether, you, whether you click on it, transact with it or not, you're just recognizing Hey, I'm a I'm a, I'm a Nike fan. I'm, I'm I might be buying some shoes in the future. I saw that ad. It's reminding me mm -hmm. that when I go to the store, I should get those those new sneakers. Gotcha. Yeah. I like how you use word the word sneakers because that's that's proper around Michigan. It's tennis shoes, but I right. grew up sneakers. I'm a sneakers guy. He probably says soda too. I do. And there's a line. There is a line. I'm not kidding. You do. There's a chart. So this is a homework assignment for our 5.7 million viewers. Yeah, it's 5.8 now. There is a chart out there that you can find out where the line is. Uh, geographically, like on a map, when the word soda, when people stop calling it soda and call it pop, mm -hmm. and it's between Syracuse, New York, and Rochester, New York, and mm -hmm. somebody's created a map. Yeah. And I'm sure the same thing I with I think it's sneakers. the same people who play Euchre. Probably, and I, I played pitch. I don't know how you I'd like to be very clear that I call it soda and I call you pop. Mm. Hey, is that a reference to my age or just how it handsome I am? Just saying. So you guys know each other, right? Yeah, so... It's, it's, a, long, it's a long story, but Jared and I met... I don't know, let's see, about circa 2008, we mm -hmm. both worked together uh, at an ad network uh, mm -hmm. based in New York City. Right. And I was hired to become kind of their, to open up their Detroit sales office. Right. So at the time, I think, Jared, is that right, Jared? You were in, uh, you were ad operations at the time. Ad operations? Really? Yeah. I mean, when you joined? Yeah, that was 2008. I mean, you must be. You we wouldn't me, have been friendly. I was a dick then. You called me Pops, but, you know, frankly, I think you're the one who's in the infancy of your senility, senility. So I, I think it's, it's basically you. So, uh, but yeah, so uh, Jared, um, beyond being a lot older than I am, he was uh, heading up the ad operations team. He, it's, it's true. 
Um, so we met, uh, we don't need to you know, name names, but it was, a, it was a, great, a great experience for both of us, and we've been great friends. Um, in fact, Jared is in town uh, here in Detroit um, from New York City for, uh, for a, a show that we saw last night. So that's a, a testament to, uh, to our relationship as, as uh, not lovers, but just friends. It's just friends. The oh, drag oh show? okay. The but the, no, it was not okay, a drag I'll give show. You the show we went to was... Oh, that's one of that. That show, yes. And you got to hang out. Yep, I'm, I'm the rhinoceros. Yeah, he's the, the hip hop apologist. You know, I don't know what it is with you in these great. I mean, there's a there's a selfie with Jermaine. Yeah, he sent me a <laughs> selfie with Siri herself. I did. The actual yes. Siri. I met Siri. Wait, what? Have the, a, a yes, it's CES. Yes, uh, we'll I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. put that in the post edit. Which we'll, year? This year. What, I was there. Why? What did we? What's the? Oh man, thing. you guys went and yeah, so figures. Yeah. He leaves me out of these things. That makes CES sense. is kind of a big thing. But yes, I met Siri. Uh, yeah. the, the I shouldn't have told you, I shouldn't have told you it was Jermaine. I should have let him I should have let him just keep walking. Well, but you wouldn't have had that experience. And now we we're blowing up and now we had 5.7, it's now 5.9 right. million viewers because of so this selfie. So Siri and Jermaine needed your autograph because of Correct. the success of the Correct. digital because, I mean 5.7 it's nothing to sneeze at. Right. But but I'd like I'd like to remind you that that you know when when we when we got the selfie with Jermaine and we were both taking out our phones to take pictures. That he insulted your phone, and you, in typical fangirl fashion, were a blithering idiot. The dude, the dude dissed my phone. I mean, what's wrong with an iPhone five? He dissed you, my phone. But you answered that it was a BlackBerry. Well, yes, but I mean, was, I did. I have to say, I was stargazing a little bit, and that's like that. Right. I'm not really impressed by that. But that right. was like that was pretty sweet. Because both Jared and I and Mike and everybody so, how else, did you break it to him that we weren't going to let him on the show today? Well, so Brett, uh, Brit. Well, they were um, on their way to Cleveland. They're the land of Cleves. Yes, yeah. they were. Um, <laughs> It's an entire land of Cleves. That's why the it's Cleveland, mm -hmm. right? So anyway, um, where the hell were we? What? We with, just went down a rat hole. We, I don't know. we were with Jermaine. So you were talking about Jermaine. he. We to, well, how did you break it to Jermaine that he well, couldn't be on the show today? I just after he said um, you guys are bothering me and it's kind of creepy. That's when we we had to break it to him that he's not going to be on the show. Okay, and he handled it okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, I think so. I mean, he told us that he said get away, creeps. And then, yes. I, and then I had Brad go in this morning that I saw, I saw Brett at breakfast. Brett? So, oh, you saw Brett? No, I didn't, but I had him go, and then it was... Oh. <laughs> it would have been, uh, been a good conclusion to this. That would have been a great, uh, and if Marie showed up, Murray, it would have been... That would have been, been huge. Present. Present. You would have had to call me. Present. Yeah, I, I follow him on Twitter. Present. Rice Darby, he's hilarious. Yeah, he's yeah, New Zealand. You should go. E-W-E should go. And You're from New Zealand, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I'm actually from Old Zealand. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually, I, I've actually been to New Zealand. Right. But, uh, yeah. So, actually, now, actually now ex you are experienced from. an earthquake in New Zealand. Really? Yes. It was the New Zealand accent that, that was quite, had, <laughs> quite an experience. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the British one, but, but lesser. Um, yeah, so we, so Jared and I, anyways, yeah, we, we digress. So, well, yeah, so we, we worked we? together for several years, and uh, it was great a great segue. experience. What's that? It was great a great segue. segue. What? Just stop that right there, and yes, mm -hmm. we're, we're known for segues. Not the ones that you ride on. Jared and I actually talked about segways today. Yep. You know, the, the electrification and so forth, it's, it's fascinating. So there's, and there's actually a third person that we worked with named Kristen. And um, so we all went separate ways as we left that company. And Kristen has, is the one who got me back, who recruited me over to Triple Lift. Mm -hmm. And I'm now, it's like, it's like we're in the same office practically again, because we're sitting in the same seats kind of formation next to same each way. other with this guy in Detroit. And, Got to find a way to utilize him somehow. Put the whole band out. back together. Yeah. yeah, it's the old band. It's you know, it's like a three-piece band though. It's it's like Rush, not like the Who. That's a four-piece band. Right. 
Rush is, you know, which is, you know, pretty unusual for, right. for rock and roll bands. Which is Canadian as well. Canadian indeed. Right. Yeah, they're uh, great musicians. But anyways, yeah, we'll get the band back together at some point. Fly the Concord is the largest band in New Zealand. It, it's the duo, the biggest folk duo, folk duo rock, rock duo. Folk rock, folk rock duo. duo. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just the largest number of people in a band in New Zealand, too. Right, because that wouldn't be a band. It would just be a solo act, wouldn't it? Right. A duet. Right, or a duet. Something like that. Yeah, so, so how do you <laughs> handle uh, the, you know, anonymization of all this kind of stuff? If you're doing native content, where's the line that you draw on that? Well, the nice part is that the native element has no impact on the use of data. This is, the use of data is the same across the ecosystem. But the, the, the use of or lack of use of yeah, the data is the same across the ecosystem. Um, one, one thing that's really interesting, you brought up the ad blocking. Um, you're asking about the anonymization. Um, I'm, I'm very passionate about consumer data, but also the other side, which is really important, which is consumer privacy. Yeah. Um, and one thing that's, there, there's, there's a couple of different movements um, that are really interesting. There's a nonprofit called the DigiTrust. Okay. And it's, it's really been slow to get off the ground, and that's not surprising, because anytime you try to make a movement in an industry, right. these things take a lot of time. Right. But what, what, what DigiTrust is attempting to do is it's attempting to get the buyers and sellers of data to utilize them as a transactional means that's independent. Okay. And, and, and because they're, they're, they're a nonprofit, they're a co-op that's funded by all the members, mm -hmm. um, and they're ultimately answering to like the IAB and such. Right. Um, and they're literally based in DC, they have uh, a, lobby, a lobbyist and everything, and they're working with regulators. The idea is to be, to be able to find the right balance of using the data, making sure it's anonymized, mm -hmm. And assuring that regulators are comfortable with this, even before consumers. Right. Because, you know, forget about, just yeah, for a moment, it doesn't matter if the consumer is, is disappointed. If, if it gets regulated, the whole thing disappears. Yeah. Um, so satisfying the regulators and then satisfying the consumers. And, and a side effect of what the DigiTrust would be able to do is it would remove a lot of what's referred to as latency on publisher pages. So mm -hmm. today, as, page that page, loads, right? as that page is loading, it could be really slow because there's, a, there's dozens of different data entities trying to get access to that data. Cookies. And instead, the cookies, exactly. And what this is saying is all of those cookies would transact independently through the DigiTrust okay. when that page is loading. So it's asynchronous, mm -hmm. and it's happening behind the scenes, and it would, it would, it's all it would, really, <laughs> it would really help the, the, help the publishers. So there's, it's another one of those obvious win situations, mm -hmm. but it requires a lot of the data partners to uh, uh, relinquish some of their control, so they're a little reluctant. I, but now that ad blocking has become a big thing, I think the publishers are going to push it mm -hmm. because if if we get something like this through regulation, yeah. um, then the publishers will have a big win where the content, the ad blocking is not as effective, and consumers won't want to block the ads as much because they won't be so insulting and so intrusive. Got it. So they're trying yeah. to regulate themselves before they get exactly forced to be regulated. Yeah. But that's still tough. I mean, that's they don't want. Who wants to do that, right? Who I mean, you, you got to drag all of these parties that have, you know, totally different uh, uh, outcomes that they want to all row in the same direction. Well, the nice thing is that one of one of the largest programmatic parties that isn't Google mm -hmm. is the founding member of this Rubicon project, and okay. and because because they are such a large mm -hmm. user of this data right. and are pushing. Putting, putting some emphasis behind it. The, uh, if, if the publishers buy in, which they're starting to, um, the dominoes will fall. The data, Google, the data, and, Google uh, the network, and Rubicon together are, the, are they, I mean, they're the like, bulk that, of programmatic buying. Of it, right? yeah. So you're basically 
you get you get those two. I mean, what's bigger, Google or, or Rubicon? Well, it's it depends on what you mean by bigger. Yeah. Rubicon reaches more individuals in a month than Google. Google reaches those same the individuals they reach more times in a mm -hmm. month. So it's it's a it's hard it's a hard comparison. But yeah. everything else together is the rest. Right. Right. And so basically, it's Rubicon and, and Google. Is it Google Ad Network? Uh, AdX. Or AdX. Yep. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yep. So what does all this mean uh, from your perspective for you know kind of the the agency? You know, we you know Jared and I, as we've mentioned before, we we work together, but you know we've seen a lot of changes over the years in terms of how media is transacted, right? First it was, you know, kind of analog advertising, so magazine, print, and so forth, and TV and radio, to digital. But now, even within the digital framework, because of programmatic, it's it's changing how how that value, or that the dollars get exchanged, if you will, like how the dollars pass. It's typically, it's been through an agency, they place a media buy, it's on a media plan, they pay their bills presumably on time. But now with programmatic, a lot of that agency buying and selling is changing because you know we could the three of us could put together an ad campaign without having to hire an agency and just buy a bunch of ads and say you know mm -hmm. hey, that's a great idea we should promote our show we should probably yep. yeah that's anyway, a great idea for a business phenomenal I know a programmatic platform that could help you deliver those ads so the, very my, effectively so we've that's got all kinda, the pieces right here we just need bourbon that's we'll we'll, we'll handle that a little bit later okay. on but so it's it's affecting like from your perspective like the whole how agent how that whole how the dollars trade hands right so. Yeah. You know, on one hand, you have the, the, the agency's role seemingly is being diminished from the media buying and selling standpoint. Planning certainly is important still, but the buying part, you know, it's, it's changing. So from, from your perspective, and how does that affect, or how do you guys play in that, in that ecosystem? So um, it's, it's, it's interesting because there's, there's tension all along all of this. There's tension with the consumer. There's tension mm -hmm. with the brands, et cetera. The biggest tension is at the agency uh, today, in my opinion. And, and, and I think it's a healthy tension because there's a lot of reevaluation that's going on. Um, there's a lot of middlemen between the brand who's trying to advertise and the seller that wants that advertisement to show up. And some of those middlemen provide tremendous value and should remain, and others don't and shouldn't. And it's going to be different in a lot of different scenarios. And that's where I think the agency provides value is determining where, which channels to use to make sure that you're getting the, the most the most value for the media dollar, that, that the dollar you spend on media is not 30 cents when it gets to the media, but it's 70 cents that goes to media and the rest goes to the intermediaries, et cetera. Um, but what, what the agencies are struggling with this right now because there was, there was a time where the creatives led the direction of a lot of this on the brand's behalf and then the agency bought based on that. Um, it moved a lot towards the, the planners um, with digital, especially when it was banners and, and even now with pre-roll video or, or linear video of any kind. Um, and I think it's going to move back toward the creative again uh, very slowly, but that tension has meant that the agency's constantly under pressure to reduce their margins on behalf of the brand. And that's, the, that's, the, that's one of the key issues, right? Because one of the things that personally I don't think is I just hit my microphone. Hopefully that comes out. And edit. That's it. Start over. Start over. Do over. Um, but I think Reboot. One of the things that's happening at the agency level is, you know, we kind of mentioned that agencies have been buying media on their clients' behalf. Mm -hmm. Now with programmatic and DSPs, which is a um, demand-side platform, um, you, it's basically at DSPs and ad exchanges. That's how you can kind of transact or buy. But agencies also have these things called trading desks. So now the agency, and part of what's driving this is the, the, our, the margins that were at some of the ad networks that Jared and I may have worked in in the past. But the other thing is, 
they're now buying and selling media. So it's like this double dip. Mm -hmm. And I, that's one of my, it's kind of like a, not a pet peeve, but it's, it's not, it's, nobody's talking about it. I'd, I'd argue it's a triple dip, but let's come back to that in one second. Let's get something out of the way to help clarify because there's so many intermediaries and terms. So we have the ATD using a DSP and data from a DMP to buy on an exchange or platform from an SSP in order to deliver an LMNOP. So, so that like that, that real? all of that was real except the LMNOP. Oh, the LMNOP. Okay. Yeah, but we'll we'll have we'll one. have these things scrolling. But we'll have we'll have DSP right yeah, here. This is Sean, this is, this is another end. challenge for you, Sean. DSP is going to appear right here. The, the, we'll, the, we'll have a dictionary and a fact at the end of the show. So stay tuned. You'll get all the all the terminology. My point is that. We've created an environment that obscures the channel and the path, if you will, for the purpose of ultimately finding ways to take margin here and there. And it's not, it's not that people don't know the margin's being taken. The brand knows most of what's going on. But it makes it very easy for them to turn an eye to it and not worry about it because ultimately, whether 40 cents reaches the supplier or 70 cents reaches the supplier, if they meet their ROI goals, sorry, another acronym, mm -hmm. um, at least they're, they're happy with what the results they get in the end. What we're trying to do now is expose that there are ways that you can get that 70 cents to the, to the supplier. These are fake numbers. It doesn't, you know, they're meaningless in, in the actuals. But getting more to the supplier will give you a better ROI, and you should be trying to achieve that, and the agency should be working on your behalf to do that. Um, and what I was referencing about the triple dip is the fact that the agency trading desk, in my opinion, is an entity that was created to manage a lot of this, but also obscure more of the margin that they were losing elsewhere Correct. to make it up. Correct. Then by buying and selling, they've added another level, so that's why I think it's like a third level. Mm -hmm. um, the trading desk- One plus one equals three almost, right? Because you have the buying yeah. and selling, and it kind of gets this third- yep. Yeah, that's interesting. In, in, and if you look at some examples, like, like Viviki has made the decision to decentralize and put the traders in the media buying and planning units. And I think that model long term makes a lot more sense. You're putting the expert who is a trader. Mm -hmm. This is somebody who knows how to transact on program, programmatic, knows how to deal with the, with the data platforms, um, and, and, and do the best uh, algorithms on behalf of the, of the, of the buyer. Um, putting them in the same planning units that weren't using all of this information before as opposed to keeping them separate. Now, it, this is where the tension occurs. The agency is going to have a tough time saying, I'm no longer hiding that margin and I still want to make that margin. Mm -hmm. But again, if they can provide the value, if I'm a buyer, I'll pay the value. I'll pay 15% I'll pay instead of 10% if I know I'm getting twice the value. Why not? Um, and I think the agencies just really have to find a way to not defensively, but defend what they're doing and show the value mm -hmm. as opposed to constantly hiding what they think isn't defensible. Right. So that, that's, that's the interesting tension that's going to play out. And I think when the, when the creatives get more involved, a lot of this com comes more out in the open because the creatives just don't care. They, all they care about is, I want to win an award, I want the most right. creative, I want the buyer to be happy. Um, and if that starts to lead the conversation again, I think some of this becomes, becomes a little, little less relevant because everybody's going to be focused on that instead. So how does that happen? It's starting to happen naturally. And again, it's, it's, it's if ads are being blocked because they're mm -hmm. disrespectful. Mm -hmm. if, if, um, if regulation is saying we have to use less data, the creatives are going to scream from the rooftops like, we've been telling you, you got to focus on the creative, not the data. Mm -hmm. um, 
But even with data, you can do so much with a good creative. Again, it goes back to like the 30-second Super Bowl commercial is constantly, like you see commercials during the Super Bowl for brands you don't care about. Mm -hmm. And you remember them for months. Right. You see ads online for brands you love and don't remember a damn thing. Mm -hmm. It's because they're focused on making something memorable. And when that starts to happen online, and it, and it is starting to happen online because the value, the, if, you, if you look at the growth of digital and how much money is going into it, mm -hmm. and TV hasn't declined yet, mm -hmm. but the growth has slowed tremendously, and there's no doubt that's moving into digital, you can't just take your 30-second commercial, put it online, and hope it works. You've got to use the data to make it even better, tell a more memorable story, because Mike wants to hear a different story than Brad wants to hear than Jared wants to hear. And How, how do, do you, they scale that, though? Well, again, it goes back to a combination of create different messages for mm -hmm. your macro groups yeah. at the creative level, right. and then use technology for the micro groups to like manipulate those messages. So native. So being how able would they go? It. How would they do that? How much? How much uh, macro would they create? Well, it does depend. But like, here's an example: Home Depot could do a national campaign. Okay. And what they could do is they, they do their whole typical spiel of Home Depot and they make you feel really friendly about the salesperson in the store and all that stuff. They yeah. And you show the guy on the ladder who's doing his own thing and he's hammering, he's really hammering a shingle, which you would never do because yeah. there's no nail there or right. whatever. Right. Um, but that, you know, but, but he's it looks safety goggles. Right, so of course. Okay, and, and some, it's because and, that's lawyers and then the mouse type at the very bottom forced them to do so. Yeah, Otherwise, and, and they his, take their chances. And his 14-year-old son's holding the ladder because you sure. have to have a spotter. With a lawnmower. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, Let's talk about e-lawn e mowers. No, never, never mind. Um, lawn mowers. The, the, the robotic ones. Yeah. Self-driving lawn mowers. No, they, no, they. They're there it is. For real. No, it's really. like Roomba for your lawn. Mm -hmm. They're like two hundred bucks. You could buy them right now. A Roomba for your lawn? Yeah. This is a thing already. This is How a did thing. I miss that. It scares the hell out of me, but it's right. a thing. Yeah. I mean, when robots have blades, I'm a little worried. Somebody's gonna so hack that. <laughs> Oh, yep. This is an even better idea, an app that hacks when somebody else, is, your neighbor's doing their lawn, hack it so that thing comes over to your yard and does your yard at the same time. No, you know what somebody's going to do? They're going to have a drone come over and grab the robot and bring it over well, whatever. to you. Either you just way. flip the drone upside down and mow the lawn. Yes. Oh, genius. I mean, there you go. I'm telling you. It's, we're we're providing this is available a, at Home Depot now in their ads? Uh, so, so, <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Close. So, so, what I, so Home Depot creates let's say a 30 second, mm -hmm. but what they create is they create 25 seconds or 20 seconds okay. of, a, of a national ad. This is right. the message I want to give about Home Depot. Mm -hmm. And then the last five or 10 seconds, based on the geographic area, the current weather, mm -hmm. male or female recipient of this ad, offer changes deal. what the offer is, exactly. So, so maybe, in, you know, maybe it's, you know, it's, it's currently raining, yeah. so it's like promoting the, the, the robotic thing that cleans your storm drains. Yep. Or it's it's 110 degrees and right. it's on a three-day heat, you know, heat wave in, in Detroit, and it says, uh, you so know, you have to have here are the air conditioners. Of these variables, but those are those those don't even need to be created. They can literally send camera-ready art uh -huh. for an air conditioner, the, the the storm drain cleaner, and the mm -hmm. hammer, and the ad. Again, it goes back to like the four pieces that they would send to Triple for a native right. ad, and that can all be plugged in dynamically at the ad serving time. So they really only have to create one video mm -hmm. and then all of these elements that get fed in in real time based on data. So it, it's very, very doable. The hard part is the creatives aren't being told that it is that easy. Mm -hmm. And the creatives are a little worried about 
I'm losing some of that control. I need control. to see it's, it in action. I need to see it in action. Right. So th it's a tipping point that will be reached as more and more buyer, the more and more brands are simply going to insist, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the aut automotive uh, uh, shops, uh, parts, part suppliers are doing a ton of this right now. It's raining, I'm selling wipers. It's mm -hmm. sunny, I'm selling, you know, car wash things. And they're doing it a lot. And I think, I think as more and more of that just becomes, it, it's being used more prevalently that it, it just becomes natural. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Because it, be, it can be very expensive. To a certain degree, that kind of modular creative has been happening for a while. But like TV, for example, like a lot of um, dealer associations, like your Metro Detroit Ford dealers, yeah. That there's a lot of running right. footage, right? So you have running footage, and there might be a five-second donut or a five-second donut at the beginning and a five-second donut I knew we at the back. We were going to say donut at some point, right? Because it's <laughs> you said donut. I did say donut. Ooh, donut. Um, so the point is, like, the they, they, shake. they, they, <laughs> no chocolate shakes. No That's chocolate. please. It's and not a wiener circle. No, no, no. Sir. We 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 cannot Definitely. have any Irish sausages uh, being shown today either. But the point is, so they, this modular creative has been done for years, primarily in television. But you have a five-second beginning, five-second like an empty spot, mm -hmm. twenty-second meet of the, you know, the car running down the street or whatever, and then at the end it's like here's it's one ninety-nine a month, and it might say the be beginning might be hey here's the new event it's it's truck month, rolling footage, and at the tail end one ninety-nine a month. So, but in the digital in the digital age, you're right. There's that that element of letting go of some of that creative control yeah. that people don't want to, but frankly it, ha it has to happen because it's just it's it, it's expensive to do to do video and, but and so I, I mean they got they got to do that they can do that with tv but you can take it a whole nother level with this because you don't have to be stuck with saying truck month all month right right you can change it out in an in. instant yeah exactly and and it's i i love the example you brought up because being being here visiting in detroit i'll i'll throw the plug in that like i wish i wish every segment was looking at what automotive is doing because they tend to be the ones, automotive tends to be the one that tries these things first. Automotive is much more willing than finance, for example, as, as they should be, to experiment. But at the same time, that means the finance buyers, the, you know, the, the, the fidelities and the chase banks, should be watching this and saying, here's what automotive is doing that's working. Here's what they're doing that I really don't feel so good about. And they should start doing it um, because it's being proven that, that you can do it. It's, it's totally manageable, it's not that hard. The complexity everyone thinks exists is being minimized every day, and most importantly, you're not losing control. Well, the, th the other thing I would add to that is that you know, it's also a much more personal experience for the end user, which is the consumer, right? So in that car scenario, it's like, if, if it's not relevant to you, first of all, you're making a mention of you know, the event or where it is, it's your Metro, Ford, your Metro Detroit Ford dealers. It's like all of a sudden it tells the person, oh, that's for, oh, Detroit, that's me. Or in the case of, you know, digital creative, why could, and you're doing it now, but it's, you got to make the, it makes the message that much more relevant yep. uh, to the consumer. So it's a much better, um, it's just a much better experience for, and, the, for the end user. And as we make it more relevant, the concept of relevance will become less creepy. Because right now there's no doubt. We always doubt. want to be less creepy. What's that? We always want to be less creepy. Yes. There's no doubt That's that there are goal. elements of data targeting today mm -hmm. that can be really creepy. Mm -hmm. And advertisers are, that, that's a cons another layer of concern right now where. Beyond privacy, right? It's just the creepy factor. Right, it's just, it's just the like, how did you know I wanted that underwear? Mm -hmm. Like, it just gets to a point of you're like, that's, yeah. not, that's not the kind of thing I want exactly. you to be. Especially when it's like women's underwear and, and you're not. Why was that in his Amazon shopping cart? Why was it in there, Jared? Yeah. 
I've, I've been trying to figure that out. And, and I actually know, but I don't think I should disclose that here. Right. Uh, but the, the, the idea that we can get to a point where people are comfortable with, it shouldn't be to the level of like, you know, Minority Report. And, was it Minority Report or Vanilla Sky, where it was like this crazy, like... It was all crazy. Yeah, hey, Brad, here's the coffee you need right now because I've noticed that your blood pressure is down and you're about to fall asleep. Or, I don't know, I'm, you know, making this you up. You did go through a weird phase there. Yeah. Vanilla Sky and stuff. Very obvious. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see either of those movies, so I'm going to go with it. Really? Yeah. You should, you should do that. If I like creepy movies? Nah, I don't know. You should definitely vanilla sky, vanilla latte. You know, it's, it's very appropriate. So. Women's underwear. It's all. Yeah. It's, it's all ball bearings these days. Yeah. Maybe you need a refresher course. <laughs> there comes Fletch. And we, we do have we do have the refresher course at the end. So like uh, as we mentioned earlier, we have lots of, um, you know, lots. We'll have all the all the dictionary and fact for all the all the, all the wonderful acronyms that we've been could, using. Could I borrow your towel? My car just had a water buffalo. <laughs> Hang on a second. You caught me with my mouth open. Right there. That, that is. How do you top that one? I think we should top them with some uh, some imperial margaritas at Imperial. I think that's a great idea. In Are fact, you, we, you know, maybe Jared, you could you could talk to them about um, you could talk to them about what Triple Lift could do for them over the course of having something to drink. I think that's a all in favor say aye. 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 Okay. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Jared. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks for, for having coming me. to Detroit. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming, Jared. Great <laughs> to see you. Great time last night yep. as well. Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords. Right. Thanks, Mike.